1: Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept
0: PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here, here we go.
1: go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. How are we this week?
0: We are good this week. We are in lockdown this week, but we've we got, are. We both got here.
1: whiplash. We were in yeah. lockdown, we got <laughs> out of lockdown, we're back in lockdown. Straight got back whiplash. in again. Absolutely. Now, what has been your highs and lows of this week?
0: I'm going to skip the highs because I feel like I sat here for two minutes and if I have to think for that long about a high, then it's quite clear that I'm struggling and desperate. But to go straight into my lows, I haven't told you this. Oh. And I'm very sad to say it. We we had three ducks. Sophie's face is like, <gasps> yep, they got eaten by a fox. Um, two of the three? Yeah, it slipped into the cage. And this, as the saying goes, Sly as a fox. Well, fuck me. They were sly. We didn't hear a thing. The dog didn't hear it. There were feathers in the little pond. And then this little beautiful duck chili, the the last one. It breaks my heart, actually, because um, the two of them were really close because they came out, Elise said they came out, Like at the same, virtually at the same time. But the first one was out for a few hours. So it didn't have the close relationship like the other two. So it's like having twins and then it's honestly like having Mia and Billy and then having Yumi. So (laughs) Mia and Billy have died and now
1: Chili, which is Yumi. (laughs) We are not using your children for the example of the ducks. All right. Just call them by their actual name. We are not killing off your children.
0: Well, they're already done. So Yumi, Hmm. I mean, Chili, is the one that is left standing and it has been following us around just quacking it ended up being inside sitting on the floor with my mother-in-law and then she's like oh you know what I'll just move the rugs out I will just put the towel on the floor it ended up sitting next to her on the couch because she just felt that bad for the little darling. So, um, so we all had- of
1: your mother in law's <laughs> furniture is now yeah. out in the yeah. duck
0: pen, it's outside. But, um, if anyone has some ducks in Bar and Bar, Bar-, Mo, Bar-, <laughs> Bar and Bay, please let me know because we need some friends.
1: And how did your actual children deal with the news of the ducks passing?
0: Well, me and Billy surprisingly did not care at all <laughs> and Yumi was really sad, really sad. Oh, She's like oh come. and then she said where's London?
1: We're doing well this year <laughs> on the farm. <laughs> if you're an animal do not get bought <laughs> by Jade because yeah your strike record this year is not I'm not, not killing not
0: I'm not killing them. They're just, it's farm life. It is farm life and anyone that lives on a farm will understand that and you've just got to get thicker skin unfortunately. Speaking Uh, of
1: animals, I really want to get a pet cat. Oh. i've been looking at the cutest kittens you know like bengal like the, i don't know how to Oh, the big one, but like the no the ones that have like the stripes like a tiger oh my god they're so so cute unfortunately nick's allergic to them oh, and what poppy's been asking for a cat too and so i said to poppy well you're gonna have to pick between a new daddy or a cat and unfortunately for nick she said she really wants a cat and she'd to happily have a new daddy so um fantastic tinder. we've been scheming I'm back on tinder no i'm Good kidding girl. i've never been on tinder you'll find you'll find another nick anyway <laughs> there is legitimately a catfish of nick out there so if you live near orange and you think nick's on tinder he's assured me it's not him it could be (laughs) he does
0: he does go adventuring and hunting so you never know maybe he's got he's got a
1: second life in orange good on him good on him for having the energy whatever and he's not allergic to cats in orange (laughs) are you making a pussy joke ew Oh no! Oh okay. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I'm not doing well on the cat front. So if anyone can help me, I told him to just get over it and take a Claritine. Um. But yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not going well. But yeah, not really any highs or lows of the week over here either. I think the week's just been somewhere (laughs) in the middle, plateauing along, seeing if this lockdown's really going to last for a week or not. Let's move on to mum hack, shall we? Absolutely. So my mum hack this week was a bit of an unintentional mum hack. Well, I put it out there thinking I don't know if this is a mum hack or not. You know how sometimes... You discover something, some people are either like, oh, cool, yeah, Sophie with the late news or they're like, wow, that's such a good idea. Anyway, <laughs> I was always such a sceptic of AirPods. I was just like, therefore, corporate wankers who want to walk around looking like they're so important they can't even have a cord that attaches to their phone and they just want to confuse the public by people Especially thinking, if they have one. One yeah, year. by people thinking they're talking to them but they're not. They're talking to, you know, conference call to, you know, Hong Kong or something because they're so <laughs> important. Anyway, bit the bullet and bought them. Absolute game changer and they're such a mum hack because you can do all the housework without your kids knowing that you're actually giggling away to a podcast or an audio book or anything on the phone and they think that you think they're hilarious when we all know they're not. You've just got to say every now and again a quick wow or yeah that's great and they do not even know. Another way you can use them is that you know Poppy doesn't nap anymore so while she's having quiet time watching the TV I can link or sync my AirPods up to the laptop. And so I can watch my own show. She's watching her own show. We have a cuddle, you know, like we don't need to be chatting anyway, because we're both having downtime, quiet time, but we both get to get something that we enjoy out of the situation and then another way you can use the mum hack is I have actually been um, cooking dinner with my laptop on the kitchen bench with my AirPod in so I have been watching the new season of sex education so while you are, watching dinner you are it on autopilot so... to your whole family and you have oh yeah I don't <laughs> exist in the household no that was one of my concerns is I was like oh my gosh what if I just literally slip into this ulterior you know universe and I'm not actually present with my family but I only do it at times that I wouldn't be present with them anyway and it's really nice because you feel like you know when you're doing a boring task like folding the washing it goes so quickly because I've listened to a podcast that I wanted to catch up anyway great idea um and I feel like especially at the moment with lockdown people are in cars less they're commuting less they're not going you know out and about as much which is times that you would normally catch up on podcasts or whatever Um, so you get to kind of do it from the home and yeah I feel like it means that then in the moments that I am present with my kids I'm way more present because I'm not like oh I really want to like catch up on this or watch that or do this it's just it's an all-round so yeah I was the biggest judgmental skeptic of AirPods and now I am a complete convert and you're going to have to convert me because
0: they only cost eight thousand five hundred and forty-three dollars. So and you good could lose them because
1: you're definitely going to lose them at some point. Um, good news is apparently they sell a really good version from Kmart for about twenty-five dollars. That's uh, A few people sent me messages saying they've had them for over six months and they're still working. So huge. If you don't want to make the huge investment. <laughs> There you go. Okay, well (laughs) Do you have any rude or fabulouses for us that have been sent in?
0: I sure do. Okay, ladies, here's a fresh rude or fabulous for you. You know how after kids you just lose elasticity in all the areas? Well, I was outside playing with my toddler. I bent down and in the force of my bending (laughs) let a pretty (laughs) let a pretty big one rip realised in that moment that the neighbours were right on the other side of the fence. So I immediately said, oh, excuse you, to place all the blame on my two-year-old. She happily accepted the blame, laughed and said, oops, excuse me. Oh,
1: What a darling. What a fabulous child.
0: Is it rude or fabulous that she blamed her child? It is absolutely fabulous until you can't get away with it.
1: Yeah, I was going to say because Poppy is so literal that she would yell at the top of her voice, Mum, I didn't fart, you farted, and then probably tell everyone else she saw for the rest of the day that I'd tried to blame a fart on her. So if you can get away with it, You do it and good on you for instilling such beautiful manners for her to say excuse me and it wasn't even a fart that she bloody did. (laughs) I know, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Now today's episode we have the beautiful Charlotte um, who goes by the living doula. She is obviously a doula and we've had her on the show before to chat about what a doula is and she is just one of those people that I, I could honestly talk to about grass varieties like I could honestly hear her talk about anything she's just she's just a beautiful beautiful presence and I, I I love chatting to her
0: and she makes me want a fourth child just so she can be in the room to yeah help which me. is
1: saying a lot anyway we chatted all about her home birth experience from her point of view personally and as a doula so we hope you enjoy Hello, Charlotte. Welcome back to the potty today. For those who haven't listened potentially to your previous episode, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family um, and what we're going to chat about today?
2: Absolutely. Well, the exciting thing is that my family has changed since I last spoke to you guys, so I do have something interesting to add to that. Oh, not like your boring old (laughs) self last time. Um, Hello, everyone. I'm Charlotte. I live in Melbourne, Australia. Australia and I'm a doula so I have a little boy called Rupert and a little girl called Honey who was born only eight weeks ago so I'm fresh out of birth and I'm still very much enjoying my postpartum phase and as I said last time I'm pretty sure postpartum is forever so I'll be definitely milk I just got hot pancakes from my partner so I'll be milking as long as possible <laughs>
1: absolutely you'll be like I'm eight and a half years postpartum babe like I need, I need a foot
2: rub here that's a freaking if you're not milking that still, ladies, I this is your permission slip. Go and do so right now.
0: Done. Noted. Good.
2: And then I've got my beautiful partner, Jack. I'm currently in another lockdown in Melbourne, but I'm living with my beautiful family, which has, as I'm sure we'll get to talk to about today, has just given me the most amazing opportunity to indulge and enjoy that postpartum even further. So yeah, that's a little bit about me, but I'm sure we'll get to know more as we go along.
0: And we're so excited because this is the first time that we have spoken about home birth and we wanted you to share your recent experience with the home birth journey. So could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. So I guess as coming on this chat today, like half of me as a doula coming to chat about this and the other, you know, maybe even more significant part is is a home birthing person. Um, And that's, I guess, the angle that I would love to share with you today, speaking from my own experience. So yeah, I recently gave birth to my beautiful daughter. I didn't know what sex I was having, but we gave birth to my gorgeous daughter, Honey, on the eve of a lockdown. So it was quite special because my whole family were actually at the birth, <laughs> so Aww. which was pretty incredible. So I had my both my parents there, my three sisters, my brother and his partner, one of my bestest friends who took the photos, my two midwives and my son was actually there at the catcher's end. Oh my
1: gosh. Was there someone there for crowd control? Yeah. yeah I, there were
2: <laughs> lots of boundaries in place and lots of preparation spent in having them there. And also, yeah. there was also the option that I might have decided in labour, nah, I don't want anyone here. So yeah, were prepared for anything. But the way that it so happened was that they were all there. And yeah, it was pretty spectacular. I was actually two weeks and two days overdue, which we may get to chat about. But in regards to like home birth, that's something that if I was probably having a hospital birth, that may not have happened. So I chose to go against APRA's guidelines and with the support of my midwife, make decisions and, and read a shit ton of research in order to make me feel really empowered in the decision to go past 42 weeks. And that was a really interesting. head game to navigate.
1: I was going to say, how was that waiting period for you mentally?
2: It was pretty challenging. I hadn't, uh, after... My first pregnancy was after with my son was after a miscarriage. So I, I experienced quite a lot of anxiety in that pregnancy um, in comparison to my pregnancy with my daughter. I was so calm through the pregnancy. I was so ready. I, I also think that because I had such continuity of care with my midwife, I you know, really had a language around birth because I'm a doula. I really was able to express any concerns and, and really squash them if there were any, but I really felt so calm and secure through that pregnancy. And uh, it wasn't until I think I, we hit the 42-week mark, week mark and I think everything came crumbling down. I think I felt a month's worth of anxiety in those three days. Yeah.
0: So Rupert was born in a hospital, your first child. Yes. And what was the decision and the reasoning behind you choosing a home birth?
2: I guess a part of it is because I was exposed to so much and so much information once I started studying to become a doula and um, just kind of immersing myself in the birth world. I also had friends who had home birth, so I had seen really positive examples around me. And to be honest, my own hospital birth was actually one of the catalysts because I had no intervention. There was no, I I walked into a hospital really with my backup and I realised that I probably didn't need to have my backup as much as I did at that time. The midwives that I, you know, were lucky enough to get on that day were so there for me and so celebratory of me wanting the birth that I wanted And, you know, that's probably because I did do a lot of prepping and have a beautiful birth plan that I tried to stick to. But my hospital birth was actually been like, oh, my God, it proved to me that I didn't feel like I needed the container of a hospital to make me feel safe. That's so
1: funny because I feel like so often it's potentially a negative hospital experience that then leads people to having a home birth. But yours is actually quite the opposite, that you had a positive birth in hospital that then gave you the faith in yourself Mm. I'm guessing that led you to feel that you could
2: have a home birth is that right? Absolutely I didn't attribute my success of my birth to a hospital I attributed that success to myself and the work that my partner and I had done with our doula and my family and all the bits that came together in that moment you know and how'd
0: you find picking a doula? considering you're a doula yourself?
2: Well, this was before I was a doula. So she was my, she was a friend of a friend that I knew. And every time I'd been around her, I just loved her energy. I just always thought she was such a beautiful person. And My mum was actually the one. She was like, oh, that person, you know, that Leah's a doula. You should reach out to her. So I did. And, yeah, the second we started chatting, I was like, yep, this is my person. And she was such a huge advocate and really built that fire in me to find what I wanted and and give me the power of, you know, or or she didn't give me the power, but she offered me the chance to grab the stick of power and be like, this is my opportunity (laughs) to do the birth that I want. And, yeah, so it was very special.
1: Was a home birth something that you considered the first time or not really?
2: Yes, it was however the financial i was just wasn't in the financial position at that point to make that call and i really to me home birth felt like this untouchable thing that like you could never get enough information like it always felt like this just quite out of your reach even to just get the information about it like the, the cost was never really straightforward. It was never like, this is what happened. And that's why when I had friends who had home birth, they were so you know generous with their information and, and gave that so much more freely. So it felt like more tangible for me by the time I was pregnant again with my second child. But yeah, it was something that I explored. And the way I explained my first birth was I had a half home birth and a half hospital birth because I labored for so long at home. And then I just went to hospital to pop my baby out. And then I literally went home the same day, six hours after I gave birth. And oh, wow. And that was like something I was, I wanted to be at home, but I I didn't quite have the guts to commit to it. And that is very common, you know, more often than not, home birthers are actually people who've already had given birth before. So Mm. in statistics wise, it's actually more common when you've already had a baby to have a home birth.
0: Have the confidence, I guess, as well, because you've already understood the process. Um, A lot of people have asked, what is the average cost of a home birth?
2: So the way you go about it is employing a private midwife, if that is your choice. There's also another portion of a home birth, I guess, that's becoming more popular, which is called a free birth, which I'm sure many of us have heard about. And that obviously doesn't involve as many costs because you're obviously not employing anyone to help support you on the day. So a home birth costs... Around between 5,000 and 7,000, I guess, depending on your midwife. And so that's a pretty significant out of pocket expense mm. when you're preparing mm. for a, another baby, you know, especially when you've potentially already got lots of expenses, as we all do. So it, but it also it lines up with like a private hospital. I
1: was going to say that's almost similar to what you would pay to see a private obstetrician. I guess that can range anywhere from, I guess, like three to seven ish thousand, I think. Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah. And then also that's for the birth. And then you probably end up being out of pocket because there is some subsidies from um, Medicare as you go along from the prenatal visits. So, um, so antenatal visits. So when you're catching up with your midwife along the way, you do get some of that back on Medicare as well, which a lot of people don't know, but know.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize you got anything back. Yeah. And so what happens in the preparation to a home birth? So you decided that you wanted a home birth. You picked a private midwife. What then happens from there and how was that experience for you?
2: So from there, I guess I had this point of contact who was my midwife and we actually met on Zoom, but she had come highly recommended and I'd heard some really amazing things about her. And I'm quite an like when I know something, I just know it. And so like at the end of our Zoom call, I was like, great. So we'll just book you. And she was like, oh no, like, I <laughs> think about it. I was like, no, that's it. Like she goes, well, do you want to talk to Jack about it? I was like, Jack, you good? And he's like, yep. I'm like, okay, we're good. This is yeah, head up your
1: mind. You're decisive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: I just like down the line, I just knew. And I think I was already around like maybe like past 12 weeks by this stage. Like I got, cause yep. it was my second baby. I just was very like blase about it all. And I wasn't jumping on champion to like figure it out so and then she was like would you like to go and have a scan and and I guess notice my language would you like to it was no mm. pressure about what you know, I had the map, and like I got to chose like which direction I went at every given moment, um, and that's something that I think is quite unique to a home birth experience.
1: But you are offered all the things that you would be offered elsewhere. That's right. The so same like amount of scans, do, the same tests, the same. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Can you message her and call her whenever you
2: want? Yes. Yeah. So she is Ooh. on call basically my whole pregnancy. That's and good. Yeah, it's really it's quite unique and to be honest maybe now looking back why was I so anxious in my first pregnancy maybe because I didn't have somebody there Mm. you know just educating me and calming and giving me the facts and you know bringing me to my body yeah and so I had that this time around but to be honest I actually didn't use it as much as I thought I may have you know so maybe it's just that that safety blanket was there I had someone you know and so then she came for like our first appointment, which was I think around the twenty week mark, and that was really actually no, it must have been more like sixteen weeks, and that was really cool to meet her. And that's the other thing: she comes, midwives come to you, unless they have a clinic that they work out of, but more often than not, they come to your your home, which is so great because when you've got other kids running around as well, trying to navigate childcare and things like that, yeah. is so challenging. And so or you take them to the appointment, and they're oh, like you're trying in the to room, yeah, like, no, thank you. <laughs> She, my midwife voice, she goes, you wait 15 minutes for me to arrive, but you spend an hour with me. You wait an hour for them um, at the hospital, but you spend 15 minutes with them. And yeah. yeah, that yeah. The truth of it. And, you know, we'd have a cup of tea and we talk about life and then we chat about my baby, the pregnancy and how I'm feeling. And, you know, I just felt like also I could talk about real stuff, like, you know, the emotions that come up in a pregnancy. It was just so much more wholesome. And like, I felt so much more supported than I had ever felt in, in a hospital environment.
1: And and not that we want to put emphasis on negatives. Like if something were to have popped up along the way, like, you know, a test result came back that was mm-hmm. abnormal or a scan wasn't looking how they expected, what then happens? Like are you kind of running parallel
2: with a hospital if needed or...? No, so she is private, so she is completely separate from the hospital. Now, in saying that, some home birthing people are attached to a hospital. So there's a couple of hospitals Mm. in different states and they have programs in place where you can home birth at home and, you know, with running alongside a hospital. So there's two options really happening, Uh, many different options, I should say, happening all over. But for the choice that I went through was a private midwife and so she isn't attached to any hospital. However, she has her people, you know, like she she sends to the scans for. and you know refer people who she trusts and and you know the people that they work closely with for instance in Melbourne it's quite hard to get a GP to get you even to refer for a home birth so the first thing you need is a GP referral for a home birth and so I went to my GP no 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 dice I don't want on my record. They get scared that, that there's this, what's it called when you have like a belief, like a misconception, misconception around classic postpartum brain, but like misconception <laughs> that home birth can be very, very dangerous. And it's such a shame because it's making birthing people terrified of of going down the path of home birth and lucky I had a bit of fire in me, and I was like this is not okay this is absolute bullshit so I was like really upset that also they hadn't told me that that's was they said okay yes we'll give you the referral and then they just never sent it so I kept calling oh wow send it and eventually it came out that I I just I can't do this like I'm scared it's going to come back on me if anything happens so
0: what, what actually happens if something does go wrong during the home birth? Yeah,
2: so an ambulance would be called, depending on where it's at. Midwives, especially home birth midwives, have a lot riding. So they're not going to take, you know, crazy-ass risks unless the woman yeah. no. has decided to that. So that's why it always comes back when it's like that woman's decision. And that's why I also think home birth is so incredible because birthing people actually educate themselves even further to know what's going on at different moments. So you get to know your body and the actual physiological process of birth because it's actually our responsibility as birthing people and as humans to understand what's happening in our bodies so that we can actually achieve what we want to achieve within a home birth. And it takes your autonomy back, I guess, a little bit.
0: Because if you had a, like I had a posterior, I had two posterior children and the first one, there was no way that she could possibly come out other than medical intervention. I mean, you know, some people may say, well, that's not all true but they really did everything in their power they could before intervening in the hospital so how do you know like if something like that happens is that when the midwife goes look we we can't do anything here we
2: do actually have to go to hospital so in that scenario i guess there's also a lot of things that you're encouraged to do in preparation so in pregnancy like spinning babies routine so you're like really loosening up the muscles in that pelvic area strengthening those and and toning them to get them ready and allowing the baby to get into the most optimal position but we know before you go into labor where your baby's at right and we also know babies can change and move very close to labor as well so you know your midwife is going to be watching very closely and understanding when she maps your baby out when she's feeling your tummy to know where that baby's sitting and if there's concern she's of course going to express that concern and say to you hey this is what's up. Where do you seal? Like we can send you to a car, we can send you to this, we can do that, we can do that. But at the end of the day, if it gets to this point and you're not feeling comfortable and I'm not feeling comfortable, you transfer to hospital. There's no, you know, two ways about it. Like, but it's your choice and you've been educated to get to that decision-making, you know, encouraged through that decision-making process. You don't arrive at hospital and that they don't know you, they don't know your story, they don't know what you've done and they just take your choices away from you if that is what could happen, right? But having someone there coaching you through it, getting to that decision, you know, a lot of the one in three women are walking away from birth trauma at the moment. And so I don't even know if home birth is officially the answer. I don't know if you guys went and saw Birth Time, the documentary. Mm, yeah, we did. Which was awesome and so fantastic. Incredible. Giving such a voice to the home birth movement. But I love their idea of like, you know, giving um, giving the choice back to the women, giving the money to the women to say, where do you want to birth? How do you want to birth? And then going from there, if someone walks into a hospital experience, like you guys, we've spoken about this before, but if they feel good about their hospital birth, let's celebrate them. Let's say, amazing. Mm. Uh, congratulations, babe, look at you, you powerhouse. And same thing for a home birth woman, you know, like, I just feel like it's not good, bad, ugly, worse. Yes, the best. You're a hero. You're not a hero. That's not. What this is about. This is about giving women education on their bodies, understanding what's happening, so that they feel empowered with their choice. And they may learn everything about their body. Like I'm still going to have a home hospital birth because that's the you know the money that I have, or that's what I can financially afford. You know, so it's just all about giving that back to the woman, encouraging them to know their choices, know their options, and decide what's best for them. For me, in a lockdown. I was like, I ain't going to hospital and not being, you know, having that risk of having my partner there. Support, You know, I saw the impact of that last year with all kinds of families being a doula. And I was like, I'm not putting myself in that position where I'm stressing, are they going to be there? Are they not going to be there? That stress alone can negatively impact your birth. So like, you know, even if you are the most knowledgeable woman, you know, birthing that day all that stress, it has to impact some you somewhere, right? Mm. It's going to be your cervix that really takes the punch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think it's so true. We do need to empower, like you know, I think it's fantastic that there's this real movement to empower women with their birth and, you know, to, to put the choices and back and decision-making back on the woman. But I think that in doing that we also need to be careful that we're not too narrow in only empowering one type of birth. Like, you know, we were saying this before, we jumped on the podcast that I think home birth you know and having a positive home birth would be incredibly empowering but it's not something that I would be interested in doing and I've actually had two induced births but I felt like I had I mean both times I requested them for two different reasons and I felt like I had incredible power and control in making that decision and I remember I got really pissed off once on Instagram because someone said stop romanticizing your induced births and I was like I'm allowed to romantic if I had a positive experience with my birth, I can romanticise the shit. Actually, I'm not romanticising it. I'm telling it how it was yeah. and it was incredible and I think that, You know, as some women choose to have a caesarean, as you chose to have a home birth, I think as long as everyone's educated and knowledgeable and has the options, I think that we can romanticise and empower every type of birth. And, you know, I think that definitely birth trauma is too high, but I think we're also seeing people who, for example, maybe had an emergency caesarean and were very happy with the way that it went, but then afterwards the story, that their own story that is told back to them by other people people then becomes a negative traumatic birth experience
2: when actually they were quite happy with the way things fanned out. I couldn't agree more. I think we have to be so careful of the stories we're projecting back onto our vulnerable women who've just given birth, like been like, also this happened. No, that's like it, it. That's not. That wasn't my take. Is that what happened? You know. Yeah. It, it's it's really this dangerous. Is,
0: this is where it comes to conversations with mother to mother, the mothers' groups, the people who you are surrounded by, the older generation, because everyone who has had a baby feels like we've all gone through a similar experience because we've been pregnant and we've given birth, and then there's always someone that loves to give their advice or wants to give their opinion and I just feel like it, it, it. It ends up going down a rabbit hole. Mm. Yeah, it's reckon. hard
1: because it's great that it's being talked about more but then it's also like you have to wait to hear how that person found their experience before. You know, like so many people will go, oh, I had a caesarean or, oh, I had an episiotomy or whatever and, you know, the the natural thing to go is, oh, you poor thing. Yeah. Like, oh, that's such a shame. You didn't or, do it natural or how many hours. Like I think the biggest thing is is
0: that when people go, well, how many hours did you do it naturally or drug free for or how did, how did you do this? At least you've given it a go. Same with breastfeeding, you know, like there is so much focus on what we should be doing. Whereas all that matters is that if you're okay with your outcome and you've got a beautiful, healthy child, then the story that you tell is your story and only
2: your story to be told. It's It's exactly. And I guess the thing is, is that what we're here to talk about today, I guess, is home birth. This this option isn't really on the menu. 0.3% of births are home births in Australia. Really? Yeah, it's very, very small how many births are happening. Home birth is putting the birthing person back in the driver's seat and going, you're actually driving the bus. I love that. And I think a lot, of, for, for a long, long time, birthing people have felt like they're at the back of the bus being driven by somebody else and that yeah. causes the trauma. And so if we can just put, like, for, you, for instance, so for being able to be like, I want this induction. You, you chose that. You, you know, obviously also have a medical brain as well, but like having been able to risk factor that going, this is good, this is this, da-da-da-da-da, pros and cons, this is where I've come to my decision. I feel really good about it. Let's do it. And you can support it. And it's your that.
0: decision and your choice. Because
2: imagine if you're doctor turning around, right, like, well, I don't think that's a good decision, you know, or, and mm. you've been like, oh, hang on a second. <laughs> who's driving the bus like that's just what we need to come back to just who's driving the bus and I guess for a free birther we celebrate her because that's her choice or you know that family's choice to go down that path for a home birthing family that's what they choose to do there's so many also I think People bulk people in. So it's like the free birth is a one type of person. The home birth is a one type of person. You know, a cesarean person is one type of person. I think we just need to take all those labels off because mm, yeah. the hippie mum can have the cesarean. The corporate woman can have a home birth. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so much here. Going
1: there's out. a lot of labeling going on at the moment, but I think we need to realize that people have layers. They're like onions. Yes, yeah, they're exactly <laughs> like onions. Hey, is <laughs> that quote out of Shrek? Yeah. Nice life. Yeah. Donkey is a wise guy.
2: And so for me being like uh, my whole thing that came down to it was like, I want my family around. I'm a huge family person. I was like, I want my my family around. I do not, I want my son at my birth. I want to gift him the chance to see birth in its glory and for him not to be afraid of it, to see it for what it is. And I know he's two, but he still talks about it and and he talks about it so positively and you know, I've, I'll have to get some photos to you guys of, like, him in labour. He was so amazing and such a beautiful Aww. support to me. makes me cry. But he yeah. was so amazing. And if I can give that to my children, because, like, have you guys seen a birth before?
0: Yes. Incredible. You birth?
2: Yeah, amazing, yeah. right? It's mind-blowing. So mind-blowing stuff. And I hadn't seen that one of those until I was a doula. So it's like that's not yeah. enough, right? Like we need to see birth. It's like death. We're so scared of death because we've never mm-hmm. seen it up close. It's like this terrible yeah. Very phase. true. And birth has become the same thing. It's like this crazy, ominous, like, ooh, like, you know, I don't know what happens in there, you know.
1: and Close the door and just hear it from the outside, yeah. Exactly.
2: And so we need to, and that never happened, right, when we were growing up in communities and, like, you know, all the women would band together and be in the red tent and kind of, like, birth the babies and have the Really, parents.
0: really hoping that comes back.
2: Yeah, well, That'd I think home birth is actually the start of the, in, inviting people back into birth, and you know, in, my brother's now seen me and my sister give birth. She had a hospital birth, and we just happened to all be in the room. Lol, um. <laughs> good, you're all together.
1: You mean you accidentally stumbled across her birth? Oh, or what, what are you? What are you guys doing oh. here? Huh?
2: Fancy oh, oh, seeing you here. I just want a cup it down. Um, what's going on here? No, so <laughs> you know, my brother has seen two births, and he is just obsessed with it. He thinks it's incredible, and so. You know, for him to walk into that with, you know, him and his partner may have children, they may not, but for him to walk in feeling like birth is this natural, physiological, incredible process, amazing. That just empowers him.
0: Yeah, so were your family and friends all on board when you made that decision?
2: To be honest, I don't think anyone could come at me about anything. I didn't get any of the negative feedback, but also I Do you think think that's because you're a doula? I do think that a part of it is that, and they know that I am educated. I think if I just walked in there looking like... Like, I think I could have gotten some flack, but nobody projected their fears onto me. And I'm really grateful for that.
1: Would you have any advice for any women out there who are considering a home birth, but feel as though they are getting other people's fears projected Mm. back on them? Or I guess birth in general, because I feel like no matter what way you're birthing, people all of a sudden want to tell you something that happened to their aunt's sister's dog's
2: Dog's partners. I think there's two ways about it. You can either just not tell them, and people just assume that you're going to birth in hospital. So mm. if that makes you feel good about it, then just go with that and just go, I know why I'm doing this. I think you have to be really committed to your why and really know, you know, really be grounded in that why. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Chat to your midwife about it if if that, they've definitely got a lot of experience about hearing that invite them into the space, let them talk to the midwife. They are so knowledgeable. I loved learning from my midwife. I learned all kinds of things about my body that I never got to learn anywhere else. And I think having such a visceral experience of having it happen to you in the moment, it's just like the most amazing opportunity to learn um, and actually hold that information. And I think the biggest thing also is having your birth support partner, if that's your, you know, the parent of the other parent of the child or, you know, somebody else who's going to support you, make sure they are on the same path as you, because if it's just that you and that person for that, especially that early labor stuff, just making sure that they are completely on the path with you, write your birth plan together make sure they know why you're choosing all the decisions along the way and share the information that you have. Share the information with the right people. You don't need to go about, you know, preaching it on Instagram or whatever. It's not about anyone else. It's about you. And so, if that is what you decide, then say to the people who love, it, this is what I've decided. That's final. I understand that that might bring up something for you. That's your stuff. And you just have to keep remembering that that's their stuff. And it comes down to the fact that they love you and they love your baby and they pre- want to protect you. And you just need to keep saying, I don't need protecting, I don't need saving. I'm going to do this, or, you know, this is my choice and I need to be celebrated and about you. And if you can't support that, we just don't talk about this right now. And that
0: I forgot you know. how much
1: I loved you. <laughs> I think I might have another one just because oh I
0: want gosh, you in my room. Time, every every time,
1: time. Every time. Every time. I think it's similar to like when you're naming a baby. Like if oh. you tell someone with any sort of <laughs> question mark at the end, you're going to get people telling you that they hate that name. I feel like if you tell someone, I'm having a home birth, it's pretty difficult. to to, like question 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 that whereas if you go oh I'm thinking of having a home birth (laughs) then every second person is probably going to be like oh you know like yeah and I guess if you're saying that only 0.3 percent of people it is just because people are scared of the unknown and if it if it is that quote unquote rare well then it is scary for some people and I
2: get that and I just want to go back but all birth is unknown. Totally, absolutely. You know, and so it's just about coming back to like, Tomorrow is unknown. Everything's unknown. You're allowed to have those fears, but let's work through them. Let's acknowledge them. Let's let's not let them just live in a dark closet just haunting you and just you know making help, forcing you to make decisions you don't actually want to make. Let's look at them and let's go, okay, is that a founded fear or is that where does that go? I feel from? like
0: I could take this onto everything in my life. <laughs> yeah. not birth, just birth is life,
2: birth is life. Yeah. So everything that we're talking about is a hundred percent. It's the perfect metaphor for all things in life. So it is. Yeah.
0: But let's talk about setup. So What happens when, if you choose to have a birthing pool, when do we bring the equipment in? When does the show start? So. (laughs) For Charlotte, the show started quite late. (laughs) Did you have it set up for two and a half weeks and went, okay.
2: I actually did have it set up for far too long, but I had a spare room, like the room that I'm in currently. I had a bit of a spare space that I I knew was going to be the birthing room. Didn't happen there. Just Oh. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, woo. So it didn't actually happen here, which is just, again, the beautiful metaphor of life and birth. It, it can happen anywhere and it's going to happen how it's going to happen. Yeah. So I just started, my beautiful midwife gave me a list of like logistical items that I would need, you know, a sieve to scoop out the poo from the water, birth, the pool, obviously. I could hide that from my midwife, but actually one of my beautiful dual clients actually lent me her pool. We had a clean liner, like a pool liner that you put in for every um, water birth. And, you know, or just a list of logistics. School items that like you know she would need on their day like the taps and things like that because we had to change our tap and put a hose on our bath tap so it could get out yeah reach yeah reach and everything so just things like that and so I just started I got that listed our first appointment I just started like buying those things as we went along um you know and like Of course, I bought most of those things all in one shop, right? Like at the very end, once I'd finished work, I was like scooping Kmart shelves off into the... the
0: (laughs) And is this included in the price that you mentioned at the start or is this an additional expense?
2: It is an additional expense, but it is, I would say it's inclusive within that five and 7000 It's between that mark. It's not, it wasn't very much. It was like a couple hundred bucks maybe if that. I got like a waterproof sheet and things like that, you know, half of the things I didn't even actually use, but it, we may have needed them. So and it's also nice to actually understand what is involved in a birth, like in a hospital birth, there is so much waste because there's one new thing for every single person. Anyway, this isn't about saving the planet right now, but maybe it is. But um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> That can be another episode. We do recommend hygiene yeah. as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there was just a lot of like logistical things to get prepared and make sure that we had. And I felt like we had everything by the time. You know, like a mirror, like a clean mirror that the midwife would put in the water so she could see what was happening and blah, blah, blah. Like all that kind of stuff.
1: I've always wondered how do they keep the bath water at an
2: optimal temperature? So they test it. So they actually get the thermometer and and then put in extra hot water, take some out like that. It's just old school.
1: Wow. Yeah. And then I think one of the most common questions (laughs) was, what happens after? Like, what? Who who cleans it up? And is there a big? Was there for you a big cleanup?
2: For us, big was your because poop? it didn't happen in the water. Often they happen in the water, and the cleanups actually quite easy because you just dunk the hose in and then let it all out. You know, out to the True. garden or whatever, and you know your beautiful plants get a big placenta wash, which is beautiful. You know, all the amniotic fluids and everything that probably get you ready for springtime.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got the neighbors next door stealing it. Yeah,
2: what's what the juiciest lemon wrote, I've ever Charlotte? tasted? No, so my birth actually happened on the floor of my bathroom as I was walking to the toilet. So it was very quick at the end. And so I had a tear because I, you know, it, as I said, came very quick at the end. So there wasn't all that juicy warm up period that, you know, gets that skin ready for the head. And so there was a tear. So there was a bit of blood and obviously just the natural fluids of a baby coming out. And my gorgeous sister actually went and cleaned up after the birth and she was quite efficient so I don't think it was that bad but you know there was like I I had put a tarp down underneath because I was on a carpeted area so I put a big tarp down but like the carpet was completely fine there was no Mm. like a few drops of blood along the hallway but my sister just got that out afterwards my bed was completely untouched. I didn't labor in there. I labored majority in the toilet and in the bathroom. And then I walked out to the pool, got in the pool, was like, nah, don't want to be in here. So I was in there. Yeah. Got out. And then and then she just was born. So it was very, yeah, quite, I guess. Minimal in regards to like what it could have been. I could have used multiple rooms and just really crazied up the place, but I didn't. I just on the managed
1: walls to stay in a few just places. really go nuts. Exactly. So I feel like I would do that at my house. <laughs> like, oh, this room looks untouched. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> wiggle some
0: fluids around here. <laughs> so, did you give birth standing up, or were you on the toilet? I was crouching
2: on the floor. Yeah. So yeah. So I had one leg up and one one knee and one leg up. Like I was about to propose. So. That's what happened for us and, you know, and then the aftermath, I guess, is because birth doesn't stop once you have your baby, you still have to birth your placenta and you, you know, there's a whole shebang of things to happen afterwards. And I really wanted that time to be slow and considered and conscious because obviously the birth was quite quick. And I'm so glad that I had made space for that afterbirth period to just be so Mm. slow and so beautiful. The lights were very dim. I came in and laid on my couch. They put down like a protective cover and things on the couch so I could lay down and I birthed quite significantly sized babies and they tend to Um, knock my coccyx as they're coming out Um, and so my coccyx was quite sore so laying down wasn't very comfortable but um, I just you know was totally in awe of this little baby and I hadn't birthed my placenta yet I was just letting it birth without any um, like a no managed third stage so I just allowed it to happen and I'd also allowed that in hospital so that is actually an option in hospital too yeah and I just was waiting for my placenta to birth and you know, my baby was meeting their brother and their sister and it was just all very beautiful and... I just lay there, been like, "Oh my god, it happened!" I think I was in a bit of shock as well because it had happened so fast, and yeah, it was very, very beautiful. And and that stage, I would say, maybe caused a little bit more mess than usual because I was laying down, and then I wanted to get up and go back to the toilet, and I birthed my placenta on the toilet. So they just put like a colander yeah. in the bottom of the toilet, you birth it out, and then and then I um, managed to go have a shower. And oh no, sorry, after that, I did a burning of the cord. So I did a cord burning ceremony where. I had like a wooden box made and you put the cord across the box and you burn with two candles instead of cutting the cord. Oh wow. Um, so I just I obviously waited for the placenta to give all of its blood back to the baby and then it was my way of just saying thank you to the placenta because obviously yeah. the placenta sacrifices itself for your baby to oh, live. Oh that
0: it? actually nearly makes me cry. Yeah. I never ever thought about it like that. And we just
2: disregard it it does and it and it's it's like your your baby's little friend in there right like it just does everything it that it needs and stop it I'm gonna go so save that it was like it's little bestie and then they have to say goodbye and for you know the baby to go live a wonderful life so there's a beautiful poem I, I have to find it for you guys that talks about it and it just made me go oh my god I need to you know slow down and Acknowledge this, and it was. I was so glad I did. It. it was so awesome. It took about maybe fifteen minutes for the cord to burn through. So it was like a pretty lengthy period. But what did it I, smell like? Actually, not as bad as what I thought. I, it just smelled to me. I could just f- smell like the burning candle. That's what I could smell. But you know, you're also fresh out of birth and like. Yeah. Probably, can a lot of your senses are just
1: doing some weird things. Yes,
2: yes, and you know, but you do have heightened senses, and that was such a beautiful way for me to calm my nervous system and connect into what's happening. And I tend to be quite chatty after birth, like the adrenaline kicks in. I'm like, you're excited, <laughs> and so it was just a moment to be like,
1: Ooh,
2: and just everything to stop in the room. And it was the first time my midwife had seen that being done as well, and she's like, birthed a lot of babies, but it's a beautiful, I guess. Thing that we could start doing.
1: How cool!
2: Oh, that's I've ne- I mean,
1: I've heard of like different, like kind of tr- more traditional ties and that kind of thing, but I've never heard of the
2: burning of the cord. Yeah, it was really great. I would strongly suggest it. I don't think that is something you could do in hospital though, because they don't allow candles or burn.
1: No, I don't think I allow like- live flames
2: near the oxygen tanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? And probably fair enough. Fair enough. Um, speaking
1: do- of gas tanks and stuff, though, you know, if people are maybe like on the fence about. Yeah home births, what kind of pain relief could you use and what kind of monitoring can you have?
2: So some midwives I think do offer the gas. My, I didn't request it and I don't think my midwife ever said, do you want that? But yeah, I think because she, she knew kind of where I sat on the fence about that stuff, I gas kind of scares me because I'm... <laughs> I'm like, you don't want to have it and then feel nauseous or whatever. You know, mm. I've heard so many bad stories about that. But oh, it
1: was, I tried it once and it wasn't for me. Yeah, but yeah. I've heard other people love it, but I gave it one puff and my breathing had to change to use it. And I was all of a sudden like, oh my God, no, goodbye. Yeah.
2: <laughs> my anxiety yeah. wouldn't let me near it. I totally get that. So I think, I guess the pain relief methods are really like natural pain relief methods like soft touch, breathing, calming everything down, water warm water, getting of uh, submerging yourself into the water. And I guess like what I said at the start of this conversation, like there's a lot of preparation, I guess, involved in a home birth. You don't just rock up on the day and be like, let's go. Like there's <laughs> a lot of preparation that is involved. And, and I guess that's the short answer of it, but that's going to be unique to every single person yeah. Like, what kind of preparation they do.
0: I would love to know the statistics, like if this gets, obviously we'll hope it gets bigger, but the statistics on the postpartum mental health after a home birth in regards to you know hospitals and other things because I feel like with what you're explaining is there's a lot of mental preparation and there's a lot of like I don't know you're you're connecting to your body and you're I don't know, there's a lot of strength behind the whole And I guess system. that's what
1: they were trying to delve into, I think, with the Birth Time documentary, which was even if you're not considering a home birth, the importance of, some, I guess, you know, they were emphasising what they felt was the importance of some form of continuity of care yes. so that you are speaking to someone who gets to know you so you can work through whatever it is that you feel you need to work
2: through before birth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like I can only speak from my own experience, I guess, and that's the most you know real thing that I can speak to. But I feel so good and feel so strong. And my recovery was not an easy one. As I said, I, I had a pretty significant tear. My coccyx was severe, like badly bruised. I, yeah, you know, and that would have happened in a hospital or at a home. <laughs> it doesn't mm. that doesn't you know that doesn't change anything. And I. I've, could have that could have been really hard for me but the fact that I think I was so supported I had somebody checking in with me coming to the house whenever you need me I'll be there just even that whole thought process of going okay someone's there for me you know and just to text a photo of you know my bub had like a little blocked tear duct so I took a photo I was like is this okay like what do I do and yeah that's just for me and I I still feel like you know even eight weeks I could be like hey is this normal? Should I be looking at this? Like, I just know that she would be there for me. And to have that is just, it's second to none. And not having that with my first, I was really joyful and happy in my, my postpartum as well with my son, but to feel that supported, I was almost like scared when the maternal health nurses would come over and be like, they were like, you know, you've got to have the rungs like of the cot, like this far apart. And I was like, what? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was just too much for my brain to handle at that point in time. And for someone to come in with this like gentle tone that was loving and she knew me, she knew my family and she sat on the end of the bed and had a cup of tea and chatted to me while she checked my stitch, you know, actually I didn't have stitches, but she checked my wound and just made sure everything was okay. Like that's pretty incredible.
0: And also having questions answered when you're ready to ask them instead of it all being bombarded in one
2: session. Absolutely. And like teasing it out, right? Like, like we said, like, you don't need somebody else's story projected onto you at that moment. She was there just like allowing it to come out. And I also having that done around my family gave them an opportunity to be like, oh, yeah, I hadn't asked you that. How is that going for you or whatever? You know, having observers in that space is and and people who are, you know, learning with you was really beautiful. Like my partner and my baby are sitting, my toddler are sitting there and asking questions and learning about the cervix and the uterus. And he's like, Wow wow, you know, and and that's like, yeah, I'm pretty
1: bloody incredible. Yeah,
2: exactly. But that's educating a whole family. That's not just educating the woman. And I think that, you know, when we think about, you know, the mother's a nucleus of a family, well then let's start to flesh that out even more and more. And and that's, you know, that whoever plays that maternal role in that family unit, fleshing that out and understanding that deeper and knowing that that when they're good, everyone kind of is good, you know? So I think that's, Pretty special.
1: And if there's people listening who are kind of tossing up, like, oh, who do I want to be present? What role do I want them to play? Um, I mean, you said you're very comfortable with your family. You're a very Family oriented person, but yeah, what advice would you have for people around that and how they can set boundaries about what
2: they want? I read a wonderful book by Jane Hardwick Collins called Ten Moons, and she talks about this beautiful thing called an opening ceremony for your birth. So, bringing everyone together who's supposed to be at your birth and really explaining your their role on the day, so that they understand your expectations of them on the day, and being like, "This is the role I want you to play." So, I had my photographer there I had all my family I'd sat down with my partner and gone through each of their roles and I also had my midwife and the second midwife because my midwife is actually quite a bit like hmm this will be interesting to see how Mm. this big family dynamic is out in birth space she's never had that many people present at a birth before and they say they say that every person in the room adds an extra hour into birth but if we're comparing my two births that absolutely is not true (laughs) it was much longer it was just me and my partner my midwife so yeah it, it it's all about you feeling incredibly comfortable in front of those people I've also heard the saying like if you would if you couldn't shit in front of them then don't have them at the birth and I'm very open not that I poo in front of my family but I definitely am very open I talk about my feelings my emotions I'm very black and white when it comes to that kind of stuff so I felt comfortable and I felt that I could say I don't want this I do want that and that was something that I had to practice and really work on through my pregnancy as well so when something came up I'd be like right this is a challenge for my birth if I can't do it in every day then how will I do it in my birth so I'd be like right. Hey dad, when you say that, it makes me feel this way. And I just oh. set myself a little challenge along my pregnancy in order Brilliant. to.
1: I think even if you're not having people in your birth, that's something that's so important to practice while you're pregnant. Cause I think it's a your good first life. opportunity to like be that you know, like an advocate for your family. And I think so often in postpartum and we we get questions all the time about like, you know, my mother-in-law does this, this and this, like how would I approach that? And I think unfortunately you do just need to get comfortable with uncomfortable situations where you do have to tell people in a polite, respectful way what your wishes for your family
2: are. And it's remembering that you're respecting yourself when you go out out and do that and you're, you know, and and you're also respecting them by doing that. What's right for you is what's right for them. So if you're not acknowledging those feelings coming up, how are you going to learn how to listen in, in birth and beyond? Because pregnancy is just the perfect, perfect learning grounds on how to become the parent that you Mm. want to be. So lean into all of the lessons that are coming up in pregnancy And, you know, and I guess these conversations are so great because these are the ones that they go, oh, my God, I'm going to go and, like, talk to my mom about this or I'm going to go and ask my friends to call me out on this or whatever it is. Like, these conversations are such great invitations. You know, what you guys do here is to kind of, go out and and flesh this out in your own life. And I think this is a really important topic that needs to be spoken about more.
1: And did you ever feel that because there were so many people around, like you were conscious of the noises you were making or like a position you were in or how spread and open you were for for the room, (laughs) for the audience? (laughs)
2: Uh, I was not. I was like quite comfortable in my body as well. Like, I think that's a big thing. Like some people can be very conscious of their body, especially their pregnant body and may not feel that. But for me, I felt really beautiful and strong. And like, I'd also like one of six kids, my dad had seen a lot of births and he, yeah. felt, he just thinks birth is awesome. So it was so like, if, if he felt uncomfortable and I, in this birth ceremony that I spoke about before, I said, if you feel uncomfortable, do not let that be my problem take that problem and exit it out of the room. No, That's not yeah. my well, like, shit. Well, it could yours, be so your shit.
1: You don't want to deal with it. Could yeah. be literally your shit.
0: <laughs> and um, one of the last questions is if, one, if our listeners are interested in a home birth, where would they start in terms of finding a midwife?
2: I guess reach out to anyone who you know has had a home birth. Use a doula in your area. Be like, hey, do you have any recommendations? The hospital probably doesn't have anyone that they can suggest to you unless you have a home birth program in place in your, the hospital that you're of choice. But yeah, I would say jump online. There's some great um, organizations who have multiple midwives housed together. So they kind of work together in groups. And so therefore, if your midwife's sick or whatever on the day, then there's another midwife who can, has got their back and can um, be there for them. And you can meet both of them, for instance, and know that you've got a good energy with both of them, if that makes you feel good. But I guess just um, like in Melbourne, there's like Mama, which uh, which is a good one. There's midwife groups in every every state, really. So you just need to know where to look. And they'll also travel. So my midwife travelled 45, 50 minutes to see me. So, you know, that's pretty special.
0: We'll try and find some sites and link them in the show notes for everyone if they're interested.
1: Or if anyone's got any recommendations. Yeah, send yeah. them on
2: through. Yeah, I guess there's just so different for every, every totally. city. Yeah, but it, it would be so great to get some... And they they tend to be quite like underground midwives. sometimes they can be hard to find, and I get that, but it's because they're birthing babies constantly. and <laughs> so they need to they're they're always just taking care of their mums, and you know
0: one of the most, beautiful docos is birth time. And that is a really nice, I guess, introduction to not even home birth, just, you know, doing things for your own reasoning and for for the right reasoning for you and your family.
2: Absolutely. I, I just feel like, you know, we all need to know what's on the menu when it comes to how we want to birth our children. And if we can be supported to make the decision that makes the most sense for our family at that point in time, Wow, that could really change the face of birth and how we step out into parenthood. You know, feeling strong, supported, capable. Yes, please. Let's get more of that happening
0: and more so more Charlotte. Charlottes in the world. <laughs> she's trying. Look, she's birthed two.
1: Give her a break. One of them was only <laughs> eight weeks ago. We'll give you like a year or so, and then we
2: expect uh, another one. Yeah, that's fair, fair, fair. Okay.
1: No, I feel like I've also got selfish reasons for being so interested because as much as I don't plan to have a home birth, uh, my second birth was only an hour and a half of active labour and I'm a solid like 25 to 30 minutes away from my hospital. I mean I was induced twice so I was very much there before it even began but um, I both times went from five centimetres to fully dilated in like 10 minutes so I could very possibly have a home (laughs) birth you could
0: or you could have a really long one like my third I had a really long one and then a really short one and then a really 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 long one so it's just
2: you don't know you don't know you never know they do they always say like my midwife kept saying prepare for a quick birth prepare for a quick birth and I was like "Uh uh uh-huh like she literally came to my routine appointment on that day that I was in labor (laughs) and she's like I said, go home, have dinner. I'll see you later. She's like, you are having this baby, Charlotte. I don't know how I need, how many times do I have to tell you? So how long was your birth? So she came at three o'clock and I was just still having a chat and like laughing, like stopping for contractions or whatever. And then she was born at 6pm on the dot. So three hours later. Did your waters break? They had broken at midday and, but they weren't like a big gush. Like I had a big gush with my first baby and this one was just like a little trickle. And I was like, is that it? Is that it? Do either of
0: you know that the statistics on waters breaking? Because a lot of women think that that's the first sign of labor, and it's actually quite rare. It's not. It's it's less common.
2: That's right. I don't know the stats, but it's very rare for your waters to break at like in the movies. Mm. Usually contractions will start first, and you'll get those niggles first. But yeah, it's I agree. There's a lot of people who think it's still like the movies, and it's like nah.
1: Or even if it does break, like I remember, I used to be like, how could someone not know if it's their waters or not? And you have so much pressure going down there, you don't know
2: what, what liquid I mean. is coming from where. Uh-uh. No, so yeah, it was. Um, a very, very beautiful experience. But I look at both of my births, hospital and home birth as incredible experiences. I will say that the biggest room for where I felt the biggest like um, change and what the biggest differences was that after period of just mm. being able to get into my own bed straight away, having a shower, like my mum showered me and you know, I actually just forgot that until I'm telling you this, you know, this birth is still so raw for me. I'm still processing so much of it, but like my mom showered me after I'd given birth and she popped me back into bed. And it was just so amazing. My sister made me the most divine bowl of congee and brought it up. Like I was this queen on a platter. Like it was, I sat there with my partner and my toddler and got to introduce them. And like, like, it was just, magical. And that I think is the biggest shift that I can see in compa- comparing my hospital and home births. And
1: what does Rupert say about it now? Like what is birth in the eyes of a toddler?
2: Oh, uh, it's pretty intense. Um, but isn't it for an adult as well? You know, Yeah. Mm. Um, his into i had done a lot of preparing. If you guys watch my stories, I'd prepared him a lot. So I'd watch like I'd read him all these books about home birth and really given him a language to be, he's quite a good talker, so I'd given him a great language to be able to talk through birth, but nothing can prepare him. So it was I I was like, whatever he wants on the day, like I'd given people in my family the role of taking Rupert, depending on what was happening for him. And he didn't want to be anywhere. But in there, he wanted like somebody went to take him away when it was kind of like all happening, because it was like a lot Um, when the blood came out, he kind of went, whoa, and he'd never seen blood or bleeding before. Like he'd never had a big gash or anything. So he was like, well, what's that? And, but then my sister went to take him. He was like, no, I want to, no, 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 I want to stay here. And so he stayed and he got right up close and like had his arm around Jack's neck and was like watching like this, like Jack's right next to me. And when she was here, he ran up and down the hallway going, the baby's here. She did it. We did it, mum. We did it. Mummy, good job. Good job, mum. Good job. And then afterwards my partner took him to bed and, you know, just gave him a chance to debrief it and like asked him what he thought about it all and he just kept that. like, Bit of blood, bit of blood. It's normal. It's normal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got tears. That is, I'm imagining the yeah. things that Poppy would say. Like, yeah. yeah, I think she would love it. I've shown Poppy bits of Goldie being born. They just so happened to be the student midwife standing right between my legs, though. Like, so it's it's kind of like a good introductory one. Yeah. It's like a, a a censored version, but yeah, she, you know, and she's like, oh, why is there blood on you? And it's the same where it's like, no, that's normal. That's <laughs>
2: yeah and it is it's it's really you know flipping blood and gore and you know all of that on its head and been like this is actually really normal and mm. beautiful and giving that gift of birth is amazing like what a gift if we can give that to our children like I really feel fortunate that my mum spoke about her hospital births with in- incredible delight and just loved every moment of it and I, I was, you know, she imparted that to me. Surprisingly, her mother had really traumatic birth, So it's interesting how it can change. And we just have to be really careful, though, of the stories that we're giving to other people, I guess, and and especially our kids about talking about how they were born.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your beautiful home birth story and your hospital stories. We absolutely
1: adore you. You always give us the warm and fuzzies. Yes. Oh.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here and share something that's you know become very very close to my heart over the last couple of years and you know share something that you know, it's so personal, I guess, as well of my own experiences. So, thank you for holding the space for to chat about it. It's actually the first time I've really spoken about this publicly. I haven't shared my birth story yet, so it's nice
1: Aww.
0: to. Oh well, we're very, very humbled.
1: Yes, it's a privilege to chat to you and share your story. So, thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you, guys. You're legends.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't,
1: good on you.